So um, we're continuing, we're getting to the end now, uh, close, one more message about Acts reenacted. And most of you are aware we've had uh, 28 chapters of Acts uh, talked about from various different preachers. And now we've started to talk about Acts 29. What does Acts today look like? For me, there's been uh, one burning question ever since I read the Acts and ever since I went through a particular experience with my dad about healing. The experience of the early church was cha- challenges us in many ways of the supernatural. We have angels, visions, Holy Spirit prompting. What does that feel like? Confronting evil spirits, the dead raised, and of course healing. Um, Acts 5, it says, The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. More and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits and all, all of them were healed. When we read that, we are reminded that Jesus' disciples learned from Jesus and healed because he taught them to heal as part of ministry. Jesus had an amazing healing ministry. Um, Some healings are described in detail, But there are numerous times when the scriptures just record that he healed everybody in a crowd, everyone that needed healing. When I was only 23 years old and watching my father, who was only 48 at the time, die of cancer, I went to my pastor with some questions. (laughs) One of them was, how do you pray for healing? Because I really had no idea. Another one was why we don't teach on healing. Um, And the other one was how come we see lots of healings in the scriptures and in Acts and in the early church and we don't see many healings in our churches. I I think he gave me a lot of excuses basically because I don't know he had the answers to those questions either. Uh, We are talking 30 plus years ago. Um, But one thing he said that really uh, prompted me to go on a search and that was that every generation of Christians needs to learn spiritual lessons. One of those spiritual lessons is healing. So, since then I've been on a journey. I probably still have lots of questions about why people are not healed but I want to share with you some of what I've learned from the scriptures. Um, There is a mystery about why people don't get healed and it's not answered in scripture because in scripture what you see is people being healed. There's one story that I can go to that we'll talk about. Um, We will be doing the uh, Restoration Prayer Ministry healing course again next year for those that are interested. That's 16 weeks, it's a bit of a commitment, 16 weeks of hour-long lectures 
and uh, on video, um, plus uh, notes and homework. So I'm going to try and pack into half an hour some of what I've learned from that. But if you're interested, please come and see me. Um, we'll be doing that next year. It is a good model for praying for all kinds of healing, psychological, emotional, spiritual and physical. Okay, thank you, Mary. I'll have the PowerPoint up. Okay. So my first point is Jesus gave us authority to heal. In Acts, the apostles practiced and taught other disciples what they had seen and learned from Jesus. Healing is one of the demonstrations that the kingdom of God is real, that God is reigning over his kingdom, that he loves and he cares about the condition of people. And our command to pray for healing is part of our authority to bless people generally. We are a blessed people. God blesses us and we're called to bless others. Even if somebody hasn't been healed, and I have experienced people being healed when I've prayed before, but even if not, people don't say to me, what did you bother to do that for? I'm not healed. People say thank you. They say thank you because they feel blessed when we pray for them and bless them. So we need though to understand this authority. So in Matthew 10, Jesus called his disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. He goes on to say, proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy and drive out demons because freely you've received, freely give. Jesus has given us authority. This authority is for all disciples as a sign that the kingdom of heaven is here. The kingdom where Jesus, the Son of God, is Lord and Saviour. We will see more healings and miracles when we believe that we have authority to heal. My second point is that healing ministries are by their very nature evangelistic. Okay? These two things go together. While all Jesus' disciples have this authority, any major healing ministry that you know of today will be accompanied by the proclamation of the good news of Jesus and it sees people come to faith. We see this in Acts. Philip, a man full of the Holy Spirit, was elected as a deacon to distribute food and wait on tables. But he knew his authority. He was part of the early church's admin team. No pressure, admin team. So in Acts 8 we read, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. In other words, he told everyone who would listen that Jesus was the expected Messiah who had died and was resurrected on the third day. He was the Messiah that was expected. But he went back to heaven and he sent down the Holy Spirit. That's what he was doing. But in the process, he demonstrated the power of the Holy Spirit 
And he proved that what he taught about Jesus was the truth. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. (laughs) They believed him. They could see something supernatural happening. That supernatural must have had something to do with this Jesus. With shrieks, impure spirits came out of many and many who were paralysed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. So people pay close attention to what we say if they have some evidence that what we're saying is actually the truth. That's one of the things that has inspired me to pray, not just for Christians but for non-Christians. I found non-Christians very receptive to prayer for healing. You know, when you're sick and the doctor says you have to wait 10 days or whatever it is until the virus is over or they have to wait several days until the antibiotics actually kick in, they, they want healing. They want it now. <laughs> and there is an understanding out in the community now that there is some spiritual truth that is aside from our understanding of medicine and science. So don't be afraid to pray for your friends or offer to pray for your friends. Um, I won't be uh, preaching on spiritual warfare as such this morning, but please note in passing that the impure spirits shrieked because they were afraid of the Christian, not the other way around. We don't have anything to fear in spiritual warfare. Jesus is victorious and it is in Jesus that we minister. So there was great joy in that city. I just see that joy in our city, yes? So we will see more people healed when we connect healing with witness and mission. They go together. Thirdly, healing and the cross. To understand both our authority to heal and some of the complexities in healing, we need to see the connection between all healing, spiritual, emotional, psychological, physical, all of it uh, possible, all that healing possible through the work of Jesus on the cross. So we'll start with the story from Jesus' ministry. A few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralysed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. That's faith, by the way. Faith did that. Those men knew that Jesus could heal and so they were prepared to go to any length to get him to Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralysed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. We may think that the young man's main need was healing in his body. When Jesus saw the faith of his friends, what did he see? Surely a desire not just for the young man's physical body to be healed, but for him to be well, to be whole, to be emotionally healed as well. 
Jesus knew that the man needed reassurance about his relationship with God, that God loved him and forgave his sins. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, what does this fellow talk about? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. So he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man? Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone so that they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. I look forward to the day when there are people in our town saying, I've never seen anything like this because of a healing that God does, yeah? Through one of his disciples, one of us maybe. We understand why Jesus cares about the man's soul, but he actually proves how much he cares by talking about forgiveness. He actually equates the right of to forgive sin with healing. He says, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or take up for your mat, get up, walk home. Which would we find easier to say? We understand, don't we? In this church we preach and teach and believe that when we have faith in Jesus Christ, every one of our sins is forgiven. In fact, Jesus said that as human beings we have the right to forgive one another their sins and they will be forgiven. All of this is done by Jesus' work on the cross. Yeah. And it was prophesied by Isaiah. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It's an amazing prophecy. Centuries before Jesus was born. Matthew 8, 16-17 quotes this scripture to explain Jesus' healing ministry. He says, When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. You'll notice that that's not the words that are there. Matthew actually interpreted that scripture. Surely he took up our pain and suffering, it says. But Matthew could see that this fulfilled the scripture with healing. Our pain and suffering includes our infirmities and diseases. 
And the punishment that was upon Jesus um, has brought us peace. By his wounds we are healed. So Jesus paid the price for it all. Healing our spirit from sin and separation from God. Healing our emotions from hurt and deception and oppression. And healing our bodies of disease and infirmity. We know this verse. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God cares that we are in perishing bodies. He cares. He cares about our pain, our suffering, our diseases. And he doesn't want us to be in that condition. It was certainly never his plan. But he sent Jesus that we could have everlasting life through him. Life that starts here. And will be fulfilled when Jesus returns. There will be no more death or mourning or crying, or pain. So we live right now in the promise of what is going to be fulfilled. So we can pray with confidence for all the pain and sorrow and suffering in our lives, knowing that Jesus paid the price for all healing. Our wonderful Jesus made a way for us to experience grace and wholeness and relief and healing in every area of our life. We can go to him with every care and every problem because the great love and compassion of God moved him to sacrifice Jesus on the cross in order to win for us access to the kingdom of heaven where we begin to experience the love of God and experience every spiritual blessing in Christ that come from the heavenly realms. One of those spiritual blessings is healing. Okay, so why don't people get healed every time we pray? This is where the mystery lies. Who here believes that Jesus paid for the forgiveness of every sin? We believe that, don't we? We receive forgiveness by believing. Everyone who believes in Jesus receives forgiveness of sins through his name. We also know that God is in the business not just of forgiving our sins, but of purifying us from all unrighteousness and conforming us to the likeness of Jesus. In fact, Scripture tells us that we have died to sin. That being the case, what do we do with the problems that we sometimes have with sin? The sin that sometimes entangles us ensnares us the sin habits that we can't seem to get rid of what's God doing aren't we praying aren't we repenting isn't God acting in us to conform us to Jesus he is isn't he do we stop repenting do we stop trying to live righteously the way we're called to do we don't stop do we so when we're praying for physical healing we need to have a similar attitude We know that the price has been paid for physical healing and so we don't stop praying for healing unless um, God tells us otherwise. If, If one of us had a son or a daughter trapped in drug addiction, you know, that's partly a physical problem as well as a psychological, emotional problem, all of that tied up. Sometimes it's a salvation issue. 
Do we pray every day for a week and then conclude that God doesn't want them to be freed of their addiction? We don't. We pray every day till we see them freed. This is what Jesus taught us to do. He told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice. And the Lord says, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? the faith that perseveres in prayer. Jesus' healing ministry showed that God cares about our disease and pain and sorrow. To God, disease and trauma and infirmity, all of that is a form of injustice because God created us to be in the likeness of his very own image. God is not sick. He never gets sick. More than that, he put so much natural healing into the world. Healing is a principle of life. Our bodies have natural immunity, which means that they can cleanse themselves and heal themselves after much damage and disease. Within animal and plant life, there's a similar created process going on. Who's ever seen the bush regenerate after a bushfire? It's amazing, actually. You go past it one day and it is black and you think everything's dead and you go back there a month later and it's all green and you go back there a couple of months after that and there's full trees. There are chemicals, herbs, treatments, all kinds of medicinal and surgical healing, all of which actually depend upon our body's own regenerative healing properties that were put there by God. Faith trusts in who God is and keeps trusting him for whatever the need is. You know, Jesus never rebuked a sick person for not having enough faith to be healed. Never. We should never do that. He did rebuke his disciples from time to time for not having enough faith. He wants those who pray for healing to have faith. One final story. The only story recorded in scripture where the disciples were unable to heal someone. Jesus with Peter, John and James go up on a mountain and have a wonderful experience with God. When they come down, the other disciples are in the midst of a big argument with the teachers of the laws, uh, law and there's a large crowd gathered around. It wasn't a good environment for healing. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to to your disciples. They couldn't heal him. Jesus gets a bit cross. 
You unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? He was not just talking to his disciples who couldn't hear him. He was talking to the teachers of the law and the whole crowd. Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. Jesus did privately talk to his disciples after that. They came to Jesus in private and said, well, why couldn't we drive it out? And here's his word to them. Because you have so little faith. But then he says, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to a mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Mark, in his uh, account of the same incident, adds this kind can come out only by prayer. A mustard seed is tiny. I have one sticky taped in the margin of my Bible next to that story to remind me how small it is, to remind me that it's just one bit of genuine faith that is what we need. And we need to keep praying, to persevere in prayer for what we know is the will of God. So, my only answer really to this question, because as I say, it's actually not in Scripture. Scripture does not give us the answer why people don't get healed. It only tells us how people get healed and the reason that they get healed. So whenever we pray, we should be conscious, first of all, that it is God's will. Healing is God's will. And secondly, um, that we shouldn't give up. We don't just pray once and then say, oh well, it didn't work. Whenever we pray about anything, especially if we're praying publicly, we need to be conscious of soul prayer and spirit-led prayer. So soul prayer is natural prayer that comes simply from our own ideas and emotions. God wants us to pray with him about everything. So this is private prayer, soul prayer. Soul prayer that comes from our need, comes from our desires, comes from our hurts and our frustrations. All of that we can pour out to God. When we pray for healing, let's be conscious of what the Spirit is saying. Um, there are occasions, particularly towards the end of a person's life, that God will change our prayers from healing prayer to prayers of comfort and preparation for the next life. But until God tells us to stop praying for healing, we should continue. God, our healer, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. God forgives and cleanses our sins through Jesus and he heals all our diseases through Jesus. Either now, in these physical bodies in this lifetime, or when we see him in the next life, face to face. I prayed for my father right throughout his sickness. I asked God how I should be praying. I felt that I should continue to pray for healing. One of the things that did happen 
during his cancer journey, um, which actually took about seven years, is that my father came to know Jesus. Nothing like a terminal illness to make you think about spiritual reality. <laughs> and I can say that he died peacefully, knowing what was going to happen when he died. The morning after he died, I was just lying there in bed praying and suddenly I saw a vision. I saw my father walk from a dark, grey, murky place across a very distinct line into a lighter place. And Jesus was there in that light place. And my father knelt down to kiss Jesus' feet and Jesus bent down, picked him up, hugged him in welcome. I know that my father went from death to life. Resurrection life is ours. That resurrection life is ours today. Eternal life is ours today. We belong to him and we're blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That includes healing. It's our part to believe and pray for healing and it's God's part to send the healing by his spirit. Whether we pray and give up because we receive word from God, that it's time to change our prayers, or whether we pray and don't give up in obedience to God's teaching, let's pray for healing. <laughs>